Hello, my friends. You're listening to Repent and Believe podcast with Cynthia Smalls of Back to God Ministries. Welcome, my friends. Here we talk and teach the message of Jesus Christ, the only one who can claim the title of Savior of the world. We also discuss all things repentance and belief in Jesus Christ and how all these things tie into living a lifestyle where our deeds are manifested and fast and God so that we may be molded by the Father into vessels to be used for His glory. Amen. Amen. All right, so let's get started. Hey everyone, before we get started, I'd like to say thank you for tuning in. And if you enjoy my podcast, please share download, leave me a message or comment. Thanks guys. Hello everyone. And this is Cynthia Smalls with Back to God Ministries. How's everyone doing today? I pray that all is well in your lives, that you are walking by faith and not by sight. You beloved are to never Give up on the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. All right, my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus. Let us begin with this scripture. 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 3 to 5. It is the will. It is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality, that each of you should learn to control your own body in a way that is holy and honorable, not in passionate lust like the pagans who do not know God. Amen. And again in 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 22 to 24, we see the will of God that we be sanctified completely. It says, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. And he who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Amen. So why then, beloved, why do some Christians find sanctification hard to endure because we just read it is the will of God that we be sanctified. Why do some Christians struggle with it? If it is God's will that we are sanctified, Why do some keep getting themselves 
ensnared and entrapped by sin. When they have been set free from the power of sin, why is it that those who claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior continue to roll around in the dirt, going back to their vomit, and then want to claim this is too hard. It just It's just too hard that God expects for us to be holy, knowing that we are still in these earthly bodies, still being tempted by sin, but then wants to judge us. Now, you know, that was a loaded question. What you need to do is just settle down and stop grieving the Holy Spirit and totally, completely surrender your life to Jesus. Remember, beloved, He's the one who died for your sins, dying so you will be justified and reconciled back to God. He's the one that took on the penalty that was rightly due to you. So just calm down. Repent of your disobedience and rebellion. Listen, your mind must be renewing daily to the fact that this is the calling with which God has called us, that we may be holy and be like his son, Jesus Christ, even though that old sin nature, that old flesh man has been crucified with Christ, he wants to be resurrected and active in our lives. But we are no longer slaves to sin. Listen, you got to get this deep down into your spirit. Sin is no longer your master. Therefore, through sanctification, sin's power has lost its grip in your life. It's like this. We are sanctified as we grow in holiness through the work of the Spirit. Listen, justification justification is a one-time event occurring when we receive salvation and enter into relationship with God. Justification occurs when God frees us from the penalty of sin. It is the moment he declares us righteous because of the sinless, perfect life of his son, Jesus. You and I didn't earn that status. We can't do anything for ourselves to be declared righteous. 
As Isaiah says, our righteousness is like filthy rags to God. But because of the righteousness of Jesus, God declares us righteous and justified. Amen. And it begins with repentance. Listen. Through justification, the penalty of sin has been eternally eliminated. However, our journey as followers of the Lord Jesus Christ and our battle against sin is just a beginning. Listen, we are in a fight, beloved. This is war. The flesh man wants to be resurrected, but he has been killed, nailed to the cross with Christ. What does Romans 6, 4 say? Well, we have therefore been buried with him through baptism into death, so that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory and power of the Father, we too, see, we too might walk habitually in newness of life, abandoning our old ways. For if we have become one with him permanently united in the likeness of his death, we will also certainly be one with him and share fully, fully in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, we know, we know that our old self, our human nature without the Holy Spirit was nailed to the cross with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Amen. For, and this is what I love about verse 7, Romans 6. For the person who has died with Christ has been freed from the power of sin. Amen. Amen. Just so we are all clear. If you and I continue to deliberately willfully, habitually sin, it is because we want to. End of story. And remember, we are going to be judged. So do away with the false doctrine, the high sounding nonsense of once saved, I'm always saved. Listen, you are going to end up perishing behind false doctrine. Listen, 
we must come into agreement with God to be holy as he is holy. We are to be separated from this world unto God. And we have help to do it, the Holy Spirit. But you mustn't grieve him. You mustn't. As Hebrews 10.29 talks about, you mustn't trodden underfoot the Son of God, counting the blood of the covenant by which we are sanctified, a common thing, and insult the Spirit of grace. Amen. God forbid, beloved. So now listen. Sanctification. Even though, right, we are justified, we still wrestle with a sinful nature that wages war inside of us. We know that sin is ever present. The fact that we are still living in these earthly bodies, we can be and have been tempted by sin. I told you that flesh, that sinful nature wants to be resurrected, but you got to kill it every single day. You know that you are born again. You also know that those who have called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved, we have been commanded in 2 Timothy 2.19. 2 Timothy, let me just make sure I got that right. 2 Timothy yep, 2.19 to depart from iniquity. Amen. Beloved, in a nutshell, we ain't got no business willfully sinning now that we are in Christ Jesus. I'm talking about habitual sin. I'm talking about you waking up, going to bed, waking up, going to bed, waking up, going to bed, in willful sin. No. Uh-uh. Listen. This is why our Lord and Savior and Master Jesus Christ says to pick up your cross daily. Deny your flesh and follow him. Deny and crucify. That's how we live every day. Deny and crucify. Deny, deny, deny. It means to say no. It means to refuse, to decline, to turn down, turn away, send it packing. In other words, it means to reject any thought, any action, any worldly, lustful, lascivious, idolatrous impulse that goes against the word of God, that will hinder, grieve, and stifle 
Holy Spirit's sanctifying work in your life. Amen. Yes, Holy Spirit. And some keep saying, well, it's not me. It's the devil. He keeps messing with me. Listen, beloved. I know that sounds like the perfect excuse for you to justify your disobedience. But see, the Lord even got you covered with that weak, lame excuse. Yes, I'm coming on strong today. You want to know why? Number one, I love Jesus. Number two, I love you. And number three, many have died overnight only to lift their eyes in a burning hell. And I'm not talking about sinners. I'm talking about those who were claiming Jesus was their Lord and Savior and they died in their sins nonetheless. But the Lord got us covered about the devil messing with us. James 4, 7. What it says here? Uh-huh. Submit. Oh, see, right off the bat, right off the bat, that's your problem. I'm talking to those who keep on saying that it is impossible to live a life, even in Christ, without sinning daily. Told you. The Lord got you covered. It's not the devil that's messing with you. It's that you have not fully submitted yourself to God. James 4 is giving us the remedy, the recipe, if you will, for the devil to leave you alone, but you got to submit yourself to God. Number two, if you will, resist the devil. That means you all know what the word resist is. Open up your mouth and say no. Remove yourself from the situation. Cut off some hands and pluck out some eyes. Jesus gave us a a dramatic, drastic thing to do when we are being tempted and led back into sin. Whatever that is causing you to sin, pluck it out, cut it off. And so James 4, 7, submit yourselves, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Amen. Yes, Holy Spirit. So followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm here to break it to you. We have absolutely no justification in saying that It's the devil. He keeps messing with me. He's quote unquote messing with you is because you keep giving him access into your life by you not submitting yourself, therefore, to God. 
You are not resisting temptation. You are not shutting the door on temptation. You keep giving in. Well, because, you know, we, we, we live in these bodies and we are prone to sin. You're right. But, but do we give in to it? See? That's what we're going to be talking about today. Listen, okay. We got to try to figure out what's the problem. Because the fact that I already have my notes about what the problem is, (laughs) all we got to do is crack open the Bible and it tells us what's man's problem. Hold on. I know I got it up here on my wall. Uh Uh-huh. Here we go. (laughs) Right here. Listen. Isaiah 59, 2. But your iniquities have made a separation between you and your God, and your sins have hidden his face from you so that he does not hear. Amen. That's the problem. There is no obedience happening. That's why you are failing in sanctification. Just to give you a heads up, because mm -hmm, let me give you a heads up about sanctification. It is supposed to be painful. It's supposed to hurt when you get gutted out and purged. What made you think that this was going to be a cakewalk? Was it a cakewalk for Jesus when he picked up his cross and walked to barely walked? Okay, because he needed help on the way to his crucifixion. Y'all better leave these apostate bishops and pastors and preachers alone preaching you a feel good about this walk. Ain't nothing good about pain, having to be broken, having to have this world broken off on you, off of you. It is not easy and it's not pretty, but it gots to be done. If you want to die and face Jesus and, and hear, well done, good and faithful servant, you're gonna experience pain. Now, now I know oh, this goes against every prosperity message you done ever heard. If Jesus suffered, what makes us think we as his followers will not suffer? The Bible says a student is not greater than his master. But if we would just settle down come away from any and all things that tempts you, 
that so easily besets you, this sanctification, <clears throat> this, this wonderful work of the Holy Spirit sanctification, although it is painful, but it can go a lot smoother when you are obedient to the cutting and the pruning. It is for our good to be, to be pruned by God. Yeah, it's going to hurt. And yeah, you know, some things that we held near and dear to the flesh. Yeah, it may be hard to give it up. Like you smoking three and four and two packs of cigarettes a day. Like you smoking your weed morning, noon, and night. Like you having sex with everybody in your contact list. Yeah. What's painful is the flesh. The f Listen. Yes, Holy Spirit. Listen. The flesh hates crucifixion. So it's, it's going to yell and scream and, and, and beg for those things that honestly, truly did not satisfy the flesh. That's why it kept screaming for more and more and more. And we fed it. But it was like, feed me, feed me. Never. Listen, the and it has been proven, obviously, the flesh is never satisfied. Even when you give it all that is screaming for, it is going to scream for even more. Let's say if you start out smoking cigarettes, it'll start screaming for something stronger. And then you start smoking weed. It's going to scream for something even stronger. And then you start smoking crack. It's going to scream for something more. And then you start pill popping. It's going to scream for something more. You can't satisfy that beast. Next thing you know, you are a falling down drunk laying in the streets, dying from an overdose. Sin won't be satisfied until it kills you. That flesh won't be satisfied until you are dead and on your way straight to a burning hell. Listen, the flesh cares nothing about sanctification. No, uh-uh. And the more you feed it, the more it is going to pull you away. So when you do make your way back to studying God's word and you, and you hear teachings on righteous living, living clean and holy, this is where the flesh in you wants to cry aloud about how... You mean tell me you don't sin? We all sin. It's, it's impossible to live clean and holy because you're, you're just judging. You are being self-righteous and holier than thou. No, we are not. Mm -mm. Number one, 
we got the plank out of our eyes. And number two, we have had an encounter with the true and living God who, who has snatched our lying, harlot, murderous souls from hell's fire. And he put in us this desire to go out and preach his gospel, snatching sticks from the fire. Listen, we all got to kill this flesh. But listen, listen, it does get easier. It truly does. Because when you are being obedient, when when you are making a conscious decision to live a life that is pleasing to God, sanctification, like Holy Spirit's work of cleansing, <clears throat> cleansing us and, and purging us, it's kind of like anesthesia to the gut and out and surgery that is needed to get this world out of you. I can't fully explain it all, but I'm doing my level best to convey to you that the more we get to know God better and better, the less we are going to want to sin, even, even though the flesh is kicking up and crying about something it can't have. Mm-mm. So now listen, sanctification, right? God's sanctification is Christ freeing us from the power of sin in our everyday lives. It is the process that God is working in our lives to conform us to the image of his son. His sanctifying work in our lives begins the moment we are justified and he continues to sanctify us until his work is completed. It is not completed on day one when you recite some sinner's prayer and the preacher preach you a false doctrine about, well, now you are eternally secured. You ain't got nothing to worry about. All you got to do is believe. Okay. But what about sanctification? Hmm? Everybody loves to throw around, well, you know, I am, I am, I am sanctified, Holy Spirit filled child of God, but are you really sanctified? Do you, do you actually know what all goes on in sanctification? Because we can judge a tree by the fruit it bears. If we see you still parading around in nakedness, you're not being sanctified. You're not. At some point, 
in this journey, Holy Spirit starts dealing with our stuff. Everybody don't get the same cutting. On, on some levels, yes, it's it's all pretty much the same. Like, we have to put away fornication. We have to put away drugs and partying and adultery and idolatry. Yes, we all got to put away, you know, lying and, and murdering and, and homosexuality. Yeah, all of that. But it's certain things about us. That individually got to be dealt with by Holy Spirit completely. Now, he, he may not be dealing with you about modest apparel because you were never the one to be walking around in nakedness anyway. For you, you had, even as a sinner... You had always, you know, covered up the body. Not that you were doing this because, you know, you were being sanctified. It's just your disposition. You was, you were never an, an, no, you were never one to go out in public dressed like a harlot and a playboy. That that wasn't your makeup. So for you, he may not be coming on strong with you to cover up that body. But for a lot of us, that was a big issue. A complete issue. And guess what? Some sinners are virgins. Never had sex before, but they are still a sinner. So for them, sexual immorality wasn't a problem. They were not coming to Jesus, but by some conviction within themselves, they had decided to, to save themselves unto marriage. It wasn't making them holy. It wasn't making them uh, uh, justified. It was just a personal conviction they had, who knows, since a child, that they were going to give their virginity only to their covenant spouse. But they still needed to be born again. So now, so now that they are in Christ, they were one never to be sleeping around anyway. So Holy Spirit doesn't have to cut them in the area of fornication. But it's something else he's cutting them with. That nasty, stinking attitude they have always had. They, they, they may have been saving themselves until marriage, but they will cuss you out like a sailor and and won't even blink Mm-mm. just mean ornery and nasty so for that one oh he's dealing with that nasty attitude of theirs and some were sweet and nice just you know very calm spirited you know, never wanted to make a fuss, 
was always so helpful, always so agreeable. Yeah. But guess what? They too were a sinner who needed to be born again. And now that they are in the body of Christ, Holy Spirit don't have to deal with their nasty attitudes. But guess what? Although they were sweet and nice as apple pie, but they were the biggest gossip and liar you would ever meet. Oh, this person can't stop lying to literally save their lives. Oh, you you give them a juicy bit of information. They can't wait to go and spread what they had heard. Gossips. And not only that, Miss Sweet and Nice, oh, she was a busybody. As she went about all being sweet and nice. So now that she's in the body of Christ, guess what? Holy Spirit is cutting that out of her. And for her, she acts like this is the worst thing that has ever happened to her. So this is why many are finding sanctification hard to endure. But it's not. It's not. It is it is God's work, his his supernatural work in our lives. That's at work. Mm-hmm. And that's the absolute biblical truth. Glorification. Oh, how I love that word. Glorification. Glorification is when we will one day be free from the presence of sin. It's the fulfillment of of our salvation or the end of our Christian life here in the earth. It's when we are going to leave this earth and we are going to be in a glorified body in the presence of Christ. Our faith will be sight. One day we will see and know all things in Christ. Listen, God's work of justification, us being set free from the penalty of sin, his work of sanctification, where sin is no longer our master, is where we cooperate with Holy Spirit in, in dealing with us being separated from this world and unto God, unto holiness, and to be clean and to be pure so that when we die or Christ returns, we will be glorified. So, justification, sanctification, and glorification, they all work in tandem. To bring us from being utterly lost and apart from God to spending eternity with him in heaven. Hallelujah. So now, 
getting back to the question on the floor and getting back to what we were talking about before we got the understanding of justification, sanctification, and glorification. The question was asked, so why then with God's perfect plan of salvation laid out before us, why do some Christians, professing Christians, find sanctification hard to endure? Why do some Christians struggle with it? Because after all, if it is God's will that we are sanctified, why do some, I'm not saying all, but some, why do some keep getting themselves ensnared and enslaved by sin when they have been set free from the power of sin well it's quite easy it is because they want they actually want this world and Jesus too Mm -hmm. That's why many and most are struggling. I got another question. Why is it that those who claim Jesus is their Lord and Savior continue to roll around in the dirt, going back to their vomit, and then want to claim this is too hard? It's just too hard that God expects for us to be holy, knowing that we are still in these earthly bodies, still being tempted by sin, but then wants to judge us? Like I said, that's a loaded question. You know full well that's a loaded question. It's loaded with rebellion and double talk. Now, Holy Spirit already is conveying and and has been conveying the reason why some are struggling in sanctification. It is because they are trying to prove Jesus Christ wrong. He said, you cannot serve two masters and many who are in Christ are trying their level best to do just that. Point blank and put a period and a dot. Listen, we are not in the business of mocking God, especially since we have his word on how we are to live. Now that we are born again, we do not make it a practice to go on willfully, knowingly, and habitually sinning. Listen, beloved, we stay enslaved to sin when we refuse to make no provision for the flesh. You keep feeding that flesh, you are headed for eternal destruction. What does, where's my Galatians? Galatians 6, 7 to 8. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. 
for whatever one sows that will he also reap for the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption but the one who sows to the spirit will from the spirit reap eternal life amen uh-huh yeah i'm just looking over these scriptures i got over here on my wall yeah it's is a mess so listen i want us before i let you go i want us to look some more into making no provision for the flesh because yes my lord this is at the at the root at the heart of why most christians are struggling with sanctification it is because they keep on listen my hand is raised when i was playing around calling myself a christian and living in high sin it was because of what we about to talk about because we kept on making provision provision for the flesh and we are commanded over here in romans 13 14 let's read it as a matter of fact let us actually begin in verse 11 where are we at romans 13 verse 11 to 14 listen do this knowing that this is a critical time it is already the hour for you to awaken from your sleep of spiritual complacency for our salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed in christ the night this present evil age is almost gone and the day of Christ's return is almost here. So let us, <clears throat> excuse me, so let us fling away the works of darkness and put on the full armor of light. Let us conduct ourselves properly and honorably as in the light of day not in carousing and drunkenness not in sexual promiscuity and irresponsibility not in quarreling and jealousy but clothe yourselves with the lord jesus christ and make no provision for nor nor even think about gratifying the flesh in regard to its improper desires amen oh beloved how i would love to stay right here in these passages it is loaded it is loaded listen on judgment day 
we will all be without an excuse as to how we have been commanded to live. Scripture is unanimous. We must put off the old man and put on the new. We must keep ourselves out of sin. We must settle down, buckle in, and finish this race. We know we are in a war. A war for our very souls. And if you think this flesh of ours is just going to lie down and be crucified, you are deceived. Paul says, I put my body under subjection. You got to know, no, we must let, we must let the flesh know who is in charge. It's not in charge any longer. We found out through the word of God, that sin is no longer our master. So if we willfully keep on sinning, it is because we, are we still slaves to sin? Huh? Huh? Or have we been set free? Because I know many love to pull on Romans 8, 1. See, I'm no longer condemned. Okay, but did you finish reading it out? Therefore, there is no more condemnation for those who walk not after the flesh. So before you get your praise and dance on, are you still walking after the flesh? Because if not, then we shouldn't be hearing from you about how, you know what, it's just so hard. It's so impossible. God knows we we are still nothing but the dust, but then he wants to judge us. No, you sound like a slave to sin. So let's delve into making no provision for the flesh because as we just read, in Romans 13, 11 to 14, the Apostle Paul, right, turned his attention to the end times, encouraging us to wake up from our slumber. Why? Because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. Verse 11. So, with the end of the age in view, Paul concluded this passage with this summary. Put on the Lord Jesus. Put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. Amen. We saw that in verse 14, right? So, Instead of wasting precious time satisfying lustful and selfish cravings, Paul was rousing us, like literally taking us by our shoulders, that we must clothe ourselves in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Amen. Because if we look at... Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, well, Paul 
gave another similar striking exhortation to make no provision for the flesh. It says, since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from him, throw off, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. So, are you doing that? Hmm? Are you putting on your new nature? Created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Have you put off the old man? Because you see, that's the problem here. This is why you are finding sanctification, living clean and holy, a big problem. A big problem. Number one. You are trying to prove Jesus wrong when he said you cannot serve two masters, but yet you want Jesus and the world, and this is why you are struggling. Number two, you have not put off the old man. Your mind is not being renewed to the fact that you are born again. Holy Spirit lives in you trying to get you to understand if you don't stop the madness and the foolishness, you're going to perish. But you keep grieving him and, and bucking up against his sanctifying holy work in your life, talking about, well, it's just so impossible. No, it's not. We don't find it grievous to obey God, but you seem to have the problem. What's no, 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 because we are already dealing with the answer to the problem. The problem is you are not willing. Yes, Holy Spirit, you're not willing. You're not willing to bend the knee. You're not. You you are still being stiff-necked, stubborn, obstinate. We have to be bendable, malleable, being able to be coachable, if you will. We, we must be teachable. Even if we don't fully understand, Lord, how, 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 and you fill in the question, how? Well, God says, if any man needs wisdom, come to him and he will give it to you and he will make you feel less than a flea for even accent. No, but if you think you got this and and you can walk by the light of the torches you have set ablaze for yourselves and you think 
You and God are good to go even though you're waking up going to bed in your willful disobedience. You, beloved, have been completely and deeply deceived. Listen, as I always state on this podcast, I am not condemning you. But I am encouraging you. Listen, Christ Jesus is on his way back. Listen, Peter cried aloud about the same fact. Peter, uh, Paul cried aloud about the same. Uh, Paul cried aloud about the same fact. John cried aloud about the same fact. Even Jesus Christ himself declared I am coming soon. I'm coming quickly and I will have my reward with me and I will give to every man. How it says over here in Jeremiah 17, 10, I will give to, yeah, even to give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. Amen. Oh, uh-uh. What, what I wrote here? He was, oh, yeah. Psalms, no, Psalms. Psalm 145, 20. The Lord keeps all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. Amen. That should be a huge motivation. Yeah, I know your apostate church only only teaches that God is love, Jesus loves you, Merry Christmas, Happy Easter. Uh-uh. No. God's justice demanded payment for sin, and who do you think made the payment? Jesus Christ. He is the king of glory and he is on his way back. That was at the heart of Hebrews 10, 26, uh, 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 24 to 26, that we shouldn't forsake the fellowshipping of one another so that we can encourage each other to do good and to remind ourselves that... If we deliberately go on sinning, our expectation is not the kingdom. It is a raging fire. Now, you know I'm paraphrasing. Y'all go and study that out because I know the bishop loves to put the fear of the living God in you. About if you don't come to church, if you are not a member of his church, you're going to hell. See, right here in the scriptures, don't even think about not coming to church. See, see, it's written. Just just completely taking that out of context. And then wants to claim verse 26 is that the writers or writer, some say it, Paul, but that Verse 26 is not for the church. Well, then who was it for? It wasn't for sinners. Listen, 
Ooh, I tell you, if it was for sinners, how would they even know it's in the Bible? They don't even read the Bible. So that warning is not for them. They, they got to hear the gospel. No, that's for the saints. <clears throat> that if we see, this is why we come together under the leadership of Holy Spirit so that we can get sound doctrine from him. He is the teacher, and what he teaches is not a lie. Now, I know some may not want to believe everything they read in the Bible. Well, then that's on you. Because all of us individually, separately, will have to give an account to Jesus. And I know many false doctrines keep saying that, oh, we are not going to be judged. Listen, all of our works, whether it's good or bad, we will all stand before Jesus in judgment. May it be at the Bema seat to be judged so that we can receive our rewards. Just like the unrepented sinner and most, no, and all lukewarm, disobedient Christians, well, they will stand before Jesus also on judgment day, but at the great white throne judgment. They, their judgment will be, their names have not been found written in the Lamb's book of life. And according to Revelation 20, verse 15, they will be thrown into the lake of fire. So, I tell you, I can go on a tangent in a minute. Let's get back. I'm telling you before I let you go, what does it mean to make no provision for the flesh? Because we just read the commandment over in Romans 13, 14 to not make provision. Not only not make provision, but, but don't even think about it. Don't even think about it because, right. I was, I was talking about Ephesians 4, 22 to 24, where <clears throat> we are being exhorted to put on our new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Amen. So the flesh in Romans 13, 14, it, it is referring to the physical bodily aspects of a person as opposed to the immaterial soul or spirit. In scripture, the flesh is often understood as the seat of sin and rebellion toward God. The word for provision in the original language carries the idea of Thinking about what you will do in the event of something happening. So, if we think about pleasing our flesh, well, we give it fuel to make it happen. We give it what it wants to get the party started. 
we we do it not the devil not not anybody else and we know certainly not god because he tempts no one but he gives us a way of of escape but you don't even want to take that no you want to figure out how you can still sleep around and still go to heaven it ain't happening beloved nope Mm -mm. so we provide the fuel that will set our souls on fire oh holy spirit listen okay it is as though our thoughts gather the necessary provisions to move to move forward and act upon our lustful desires thus make no provision for the flesh could be translated do not think about how to gratify the desires of the flesh don't let yourself think about ways to indulge your evil desires forget about satisfying the desires of your sinful nature beloved however many ways you can frame that it all boils down to this stop it stop it stop thinking about it stop trying to figure out how you can get around god's holy command and still have your filth yeah i was gonna say something else but i ain't saying it Mm-mm. stop it stop trying to come up with ways how you can get so close to the edge that you are not actually sinning but come to find out you were you were listen oh yes holy spirit you keep trying to outmaneuver and outfox jesus where sin is concerned you're gonna lose you're going to come up short. You're going to lift your eyes in a burning hell trying to figure out, well, how did I get here? So to make provision for the flesh is to expect to fail. Mm-hmm. It's like an alcoholic who's trying to stay sober, but who tucks away a little liquor in a secret stash just in case just in case what well this is why they they got that little flask and they they hide it at work in the bottom drawer hide it under the bed in the closet just in case listen he's making provision for the flesh and will likely fail to remain sober so likewise those who seek to live godly lives must identify their stumbling blocks and remove them amen that is what jesus was talking about in the gospels if anything causes you to sin cut it off pluck it out he was like it is better to walk this earth maimed missing body parts than to end up in hell with your full body where weeping and gnashing of teeth 
That's what's going to be happening. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. So we who follow Jesus, we are to live and behave like Jesus Christ did. And to do this, we must put fleshly thoughts out of our minds. Listen. The Apostle Peter. I know I'm, I'm going to let you go, but I, I got to tell you this. The Apostle Peter urged the early disciples to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. 1 Peter 2.11, I told you, beloved, we are in a war. That flesh do not want to stay dead. It is a war every single day. But we have been commanded to abstain. What does abstain mean? Because you know, you know, I got to break this word abstain down. Listen, it means restrain oneself from doing or enjoying something. Yeah. Basically, it's, it's talking about what James was talking about over here in James 4, 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. I told you, beloved, scripture is unanimous. It is telling us to refrain, abstain, leave alone. Don't give it any play. Leave sin alone. Don't even play with it. Don't don't even indulge in it. Don't, don't give it any airplay in your life. Leave it alone. So what? It feels good. Leave it alone. It's only temporary anyway. You're gonna die one day. And then what? Huh? I told you the biggest lie ever told to humans by Satan took place in the Garden of Eden. You can disobey God and still live. Well, we know that's a lie. And the whole false doctrine, once saved, always saved, came from Satan. That's his teaching. That yeah. Holy Spirit, I love you. That is not a teaching of God gods that's a teaching of satan he instituted it in the garden that's how eve fell for the lie and so did adam you cannot disobey god and expect eternal life when he says you will surely die believe him but many are still believing satan that is why you are having a struggle in sanctification. You keep dibbling and dabbling in this lie. Listen, you can't, can't disobey God and expect to live eternally with him in his kingdom. You cannot live in a life just reckless disobedience and lukewarm and just being complacent and yeah I love Jesus but you know I I, I gotta smoke this weed though 
No, that's a lie. So, yeah, Peter was talking real good when he tells us to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. You're in a fight. You're in a fight. Sinful thinking influences our behavior to the point of gratifying the cravings of our flesh. Because, listen, and this is true, when we dwell on sin, we follow its desires. So if we get a temptation, some sinful thought that just drops into our little brains, we are to pull it down, kill it, and make it obey Jesus Christ. No fornicator, no idolator, no adulterer, no effeminate man by perversion, no homosexual, no covetous, greedy thief, no drunkard, no slander, slanderer will inherit God's kingdom. Put that tempting thought on the facts and make it obey Jesus Christ. Amen. So, I'm going to leave you. <clears throat> Listen, study 2 Corinthians 10.5. Okay, do that. Colossians 3.1-2 also exhorts us to make no provision for the flesh. It says, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is. Okay? Okay, that's where the heart should be focused on. Not on your loins. Not on the world. Not on partying and just living it up. Mm-mm. Our hearts must be set on things above where Christ is. And where is he? Seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on the things above, not on earthly things. Oh, beloved, listen, we are new creatures in Christ. We have the mind of Christ. Paul told the Galatians to walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Galatians 5.16 Listen, beloved. We make no provision for the flesh when we live in obedience to God and His Word and keep in step with the Spirit by crucifying the flesh with its passions and desires. The only way to experience real abundant life in the spirit is to die to the flesh. Romans 8, 12 to 13. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we have an obligation, but it is not to the flesh to live according to it. For if, for if. 
you live according to the flesh, you will die. Amen. And don't buy that lie that Satan told Eve in the Garden of Eden. Eden, no, you won't. You will not surely die. Well, that's a lie because Romans 8, 12 to 13 is telling us, yes, you will. Oh, Holy Spirit. Romans, Paul is telling us, yes, you will die. You keep gratifying that flesh. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. You keep it up. You will die. What he says, for if you live according to it, according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Amen. Hallelujah. See why sanctification is so wonderful? Because if by the Spirit, with His holy sanctification work in our lives, it is going to cause us to put to death the misdeeds of the body and therefore we shall live. Amen. So, let us pray. Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, when he gave the call to discipleship, he said in Matthew 16, 24, then said Jesus unto his disciples, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. Amen. Father, we are not ignorant that denying of the flesh is hard. There is a struggle inside of us. No one wants to deny themselves. That is why there is a struggle. Our flesh still wants to sin. Even after we are born again, that flesh will desire sin. But we must keep it under subjection. We know from your word that the Spirit of God wars against the flesh that has a propensity to do evil. Galatians 5.17 For the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the spirit and the spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. They are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. Amen. 2 Corinthians 7.1 Therefore, Having these promises, beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. Amen. Hebrews 
10.22. Let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Amen. Oh, Father, I simply, simply love your word. Oh, hallowed be thy holy name. Father, we lift your name on high. May your name be perfected in the earth. Hallelujah. Hebrews 9, 12 to 15. Not with the blood of goats and calves, but with his own blood, he entered the most holy place once for all, having obtained eternal redemption. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. For this reason, he is the mediator and negotiator of a new covenant. That is an entirely new agreement, uniting God and man, so that those who have been called by God may receive the fulfillment of the promised eternal inheritance. Since a death has taken place as the payment, which redeems them from the sins committed under the obsolete, obsolete first covenant. Oh, Father, can't say it enough. How much your word edifies us. Christ Jesus is our mediator of a new covenant. The promise of eternal inheritance is for those whom you have called, who are obeying, following, and listening to Jesus Christ who are not grieving Holy Spirit, because we do understand it is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of the living God. Make no mistake about it, Father. For me, and I pray that I am speaking on behalf of my brothers and sisters in Christ Jesus, that we love sanctification. Our mindsets are not on this earth. Can't be. Because if it is, then we are stuck stuck, and we are doomed. Our minds are on eternity where Christ is seated at your right hand. Our minds are hearts and souls are set there. And because we are learning your word more and we are understanding it more and we are seeing more and more who you are and what pleases you, 
Your commands are not grievous to us. We welcome sanctification. i rather get cut, pruned, and dealt with now than have to stand before Jesus on judgment and hear, depart from me. I never knew you, you worker of iniquity. That frightens me, Father. The fear of the Lord is having its perfect way in our lives. Those who are being obedient. And Father, if and when we do miss it, Holy Spirit immediately deals with us and we quickly, quickly, quickly repent and not do that again. We need discipline, just like in the natural, children needs discipline. They, they may not like it, and we, and we may not like giving it to them, but it got to be done. How much more so would you not discipline us so that we don't fall away? And become a castaway and miss and miss the kingdom. Thank you, Father. You are a good God, a just God, a loving God, a God who has created everything through and in and by Christ Jesus. Thank you for salvation. We we are grateful that we have been justified. We are so grateful that now we are in a position of right standing, not because of anything we have done, Christ Jesus. Yes, he did do it all. And do we take what he has done for us for granted by continuing to live it up and still sin? Absolutely not. How can we? How can we still live in it when we have died to it? Thank you for understanding. Thank you for giving us understanding. We look forward to our glorification. And in the meantime, in between time, how we live before we either die or Christ return, we live it in the fear of the Lord, doing what is right in your sight and not trying to prove Jesus wrong. He says you can't serve two, master, two masters and he's right. He's abs. Lord Jesus, you are absolutely right. Thank you for showing us that. Praise your holy name. I give you thanks, glory, and honor. Bless your name, Lord. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Amen. Glory be to God. All right, beloved. Listen, I knew <clears throat> I knew I left something out, but I just... I had to get that prayer in. I'm telling you, I, I had to get that prayer in. So I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna leave 
you all with this. Here's the answer to today's question. Why do some Christians find sanctification hard? Why do some struggle with it? It is because some Christians want their lustful, worldly, ungodly cake and Jesus too. But he says you cannot have him and the world. And that is why some find sanctification hard to endure. And because of this hardness, they will seek out teachers to condone and tolerate their madness and feed them false doctrines like eternal security, once saved, always saved. All you have to do is just believe in Jesus and you are good to go. But these but these false teachers are not teaching on the wages of sin. They are not they are not rebuking the lasciviousness and harlotry that is running rampant in and all up and through these apostate churches. They will tickle that ear. They will tell you you are good to go. That you have all of God's blessings and provisions. Just continue to tithe, to tithe and send up your blessing money seeds to the church. And watch, won't God open up the windows of heaven and pour you out such a blessing you won't have enough room for it. Beloved, ain't no blessing coming What's coming is hell's fire. If you don't repent, live clean and holy and walk that straight and narrow path. Put away all of this reckless talk about how it's so hard to live a life without sinning. Because I can tell you what's hard. Christ Jesus being nailed to a Roman's cross as an innocent man. Now, that's hard. That's unbearable for any one of us to even imagine the horror, the pain, the injustice that he endured so that we don't face God's wrath. But here you are down in the 21st century talking about it's just so hard. It's not hard. It's not hard, not when you are serious about getting up out of here in one piece. It's not hard when you follow the commands of Jesus Christ to love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbor as you love yourself, it's not hard. It's only hard because you are being rebellious. You want this world omitted so that Christ can set you free from your madness. I love you and only your sister in Christ, your brother in Christ will tell you the honest truth of the situation. If you keep making, if I keep making provisions for this flesh and thinking somehow we can do it and get away with it, hiding up under grace as if grace gives us a license to stay in our vomit, our filth, our foolishness and madness. At least we forget self-delusion. 
We're going to perish. Repent and believe. Stop sinning and turn back to God. And Lord willing, until next time, I shall be speaking to you all soon. Praise the living God. Bye for now. guys for tuning in i truly appreciate all your support until next time i'll be talking to y'all soon bye